Pastor George always puts me to preach after the kids for some reason. That's always the day he, he don't want to preach. But I just wanted to start off by telling you a story that I heard. And I actually had told it before, but you probably all forgot by now. It was a while ago. And it's very profound, so you need to hear it again. So I heard a story about this girl that came to her mother. And she asked her mother, well, where do people come from? And her mother said, well, thousands of years ago, God created a place called the Garden of Eden, and he made man and a woman, Adam and Eve. So God created people. That's where they came from. Then she went to her father and asked her father, where do people come from? And her father said, well, people evolved over millions and millions of years and at one time, we all came from apes and monkeys. Well, now the girl was confused. So she went back to her mother and said, I'm confused. The mother said, why? She said, you told me that we were created by God. And my father said we came from apes and monkeys. Which was it? The mother said, don't be confused at all. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his side of the family. Yeah. That bad repeating. Okay, well, I'm going to start off with a review because we're continuing in the series following Israel through the years, through all their trials and tribulations, their victories, their defeats. And we, we've come to a place now where because of years of idolatry and wickedness and violence and their unwillingness to listen to the warnings and the callings of the prophets to return back to the Lord their God. God brought judgment on Israel. Now remember at that point, Israel was divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, as we said, was invaded by the Assyrians, and the ten tribes living there were dispersed throughout the nations, and pretty much we've never heard from them again, as far as we know. That's why they're called the ten lost tribes of Israel, because we don't know what happened to them. But the southern kingdom was overrun by the Babylonians, which is modern-day Iraq. And the temple and the city were destroyed, and the people were taken from their homes and brought to Babylon to live in exile from their homeland. So that's at the point we are now. Israel only has a few people left in it. The temple was destroyed. The businesses, the buildings knocked down devastation, and the people were brought out of Israel to live in Babylon, because that's what the Babylonian army did. They take people out of their natural environment and put them in another nation where they couldn't organize, where they were disoriented, where they couldn't gather together again to fight. 
Well, in the prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 29, he sent a prophetic word. A prophetic word is a message from God. And he wrote it in a letter to those who had been uprooted and sent into exile in Babylon. So I'm going to start reading from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 5. And this is the letter that Jeremiah sent from the, from the mind of God to, the, to those who had been taken out from Israel, who are now in exile in Babylon. He said, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease in number. Seek peace and well-being for the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf for its peace and well-being. For in its peace, you will have peace. You see, the people of Israel had just had their lives turned upside down. The city was destroyed. And suddenly they were living among idol worshipers who hated them. They hated their religion. They hated everything they stood for. They looked down on them. But God told the people of Israel in exile, don't be a hater back. Instead, while you're living in Babylon, pray for them. Seek to be a blessing and an example in one of the most evil cities that's ever existed in the history of the earth. God said, don't just go there and give up. But you be an influencer. You pray for that city. You bring peace. And even in the midst of the wickedness, God told Israel that I will protect you. I will prosper you. I will bless you. You see, that's the grace of God. He, spoke, he wrote a letter to a rebellious people who turned their backs on him, wanted nothing to do with him. They didn't acknowledge his blessings, but instead they built statues and they bowed down and gave thanks to statues instead of to God. And they refused to listen to his word, the Bible. And they did things their way. And, and because of that, they ended up in a bad situation. And do you see the grace of God to those people? He said, even now, I, I, I'm, I'm still with you. You see, God won't give up on his people. God's love is tenacious, it's ferocious. And God told Israel, don't let the past regrets or your present circumstances stop you from living your life. God said, this is a new opportunity to you. You messed up big time. You blew it. You made your bed. Now you're lying in it, but there is a new beginning for you. And I want to declare that over some of you today. Some of you, you've been through devastation, hardship, loss. Last Sunday night, I spoke at a funeral of a pastor in New Jersey who suddenly died just during the service. A, a, a woman with, with four kids. 
and she was in church. She prayed for a few people, fell down, and never woke up again. And my message when I got up there to the family was, keep living your lives just as Jeremiah told Israel. Don't let these things stop you. We can't allow the hardships, the sudden disasters, the the trials of life to keep us from living. That's what God is saying. Keep having children. Keep walking in the blessing. And and I want to bless some of you with that today. Some of you who've gone through these hard things. Sometimes even as a Christian, we can get devastated. And God's word to you, just keep on going. Keep on living. Don't give up because there's new beginnings for you. Even if you created it yourself. Israel made their own mess. This didn't just happen to them. God warned them over and over. He sent prophets. And you know what they did to the prophets? They killed them. And in spite of that, God said, I'm, we're going to start over. This is a new opportunity. And some of you, the mess you made is a new beginning for you today. But maybe like the Babylonians, the, the Israelites living in Babylon, you might say, oh, no, but my co-workers are horrible people. My neighbors are obnoxious. I hate where I live. I hate where I work. It doesn't matter. God will prosper you right where you're at, no matter how hard your situation, no matter how difficult your marriage, your family problems. God says, I'll bless you right there if we'll follow him, if we'll put him first. Acts 17, 26, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the set times for them and the exact places where they should live. You know what that means? It's not an accident that you live where you live and work where you work. God created you, as as it says in the book of Esther, for a time such as this. There's a purpose why you work in that job you don't like. Maybe you're called to, to bring salvation. Maybe you're called to heal the sick. Maybe you're called to change the atmosphere. You're not just called to watch Transformers. You're called to be a Transformer, to impact your surroundings by the power of God. Just like God told Israel, in the midst of that evil, in the midst of the haters, you be peacemakers. You, you love the unlovable. We're not called just to fit in and be comfortable. We're called to be an influencer and display the love and the grace and the power of God to a lost and hurting world. Jesus said, don't be conformed to this world. There's something that I had heard in the past, so I'm not taking credit for this. But I heard a teaching that we can either be a thermostat or a thermometer. You see, a a thermometer reads and adjusts to the climate. In other words, I just do what everyone else does. 
I conform to what's around me. When I'm in church, I worship, sing. I say, God bless you. God is good. But when I'm with the guys, I laugh at the dirty jokes. When I'm with the gossipers, I gossip. When I'm with the people that get high, I get high until I come back to church, and now I just fit in. See, that's, those are the thermometers. But God is looking for thermostats who will regulate the temperature. That's a person who influences and impacts the environment, lives with purpose, sets an example. Well, I'm going to tell you about one of those thermostats who was sent into exile, and his, he was a teenager named Daniel. And he was brought out of his parents' home, taken 800 miles away into exile into Babylon. He was, and he was even given a new name. They took away his given name and named named him after a false god, Belteshazzar. And some scholars even believe he was made a eunuch. And if you don't know what a eunuch is, please see Pastor George right after the service. (laughs) And he will give you a full explanation from the Hebrew and break it down for you. But I don't have time for that, Pastor George. I got to keep moving here. You see, Daniel was sent to an ungodly school where he was taught ungodly principles because their goal was to make Daniel into one of them, to pull the Christianity out of him, just like in a lot of the schools today and a lot of the colleges. They're trying to pull your faith right out of you. They want you to just conform, just be like everybody else. But even as a young man, he refused to give in to the pressure and to turn from God and to defile himself by becoming like everyone else around him. There was peer pressure, pressure from the teachers, pressure from the culture. But he said, even as a young man, I'm taking my stand for God. And he refused to give in. He refused to act like them. He wouldn't eat the foods that God said in the Old Testament you couldn't eat. Well, he, in spite of all that, he excelled. It said he had a hundred times more wisdom and integrity than anyone else around him. So when he grew up, they gave him a job working for an evil and violent king. And he, maybe you think your co-workers are bad. Daniel's co-workers were mediums, witch doctors, and fortune tellers, and they all hated him. How would you like to work in that environment? But Daniel determined in his heart from the very beginning that even if he stood alone, he refused to compromise or turn his back on God. And every one of you better make that decision right here. If you can't do it here, you can't do it out there when the pressure's on. You determine in your heart. I'm going to, like Daniel, no matter what's around me, I'm not giving in to the pressure. I don't care if people like me or they don't. I'm a God pleaser. 
You see, Daniel could have found many excuses to walk away from God and do things his way. He could have said, well, with all I've been through, God understands that I need to blow off steam once in a while. I've said it before, all it could take is one night of blowing off steam to ruin your life for the next 30 years. He could have said, but everybody does it. Everybody gets crazy. Everybody goes to fortune tellers. Everybody gets high. You see, you're not everybody. You got destiny. There's greatness in you. You're not just anybody. You're a person of excellence. Forget about, but everybody does it. You're called to excel. You're called to be great in the land, to be an example to this generation. The Bible says we're called to be shining stars that everyone around us could see the glory of God in us. He could have said, well, couple, he got married, but he could have said couples don't need a piece of paper to live together anymore. It's just a piece of paper. Well, if it's just a piece of paper, why do people go to work every week to get a piece of paper at the end of the week? Everybody uses profanity. No big deal. As soon as you say no big deal to your behavior, you're in trouble. That's a sign of compromise. And if I'm offending somebody right now, it's not me offending you. It's the word of God offending you. You could tell me, oh, who are you to judge me? I live how I want to. Argue with the Bible, not me. Daniel, he served four pagan kings of world empires. And two of those kings, because of Daniel's influence, turned from idolatry and began to worship the one true God. Why? Because he stood out. They saw his integrity, his love. They saw the one true God through his life. See, that's what we're called to be, Daniels. We need to take a stand. We're going to keep loving when nobody loves. We're going to show grace. We're going to represent the invisible God on earth. And we're going to influence kings and bosses and billionaires. That's what we're called to do. Not just to sit in church and say, wow, we had a good time in the Lord today. And then go out living our lives. You come to church, you get vision, you get fueled, and you go out and you'll be a world changer like Daniel. You're called to turn this world upside down, not fit into it. And it wasn't easy to worship God in that ungodly culture of Babylon. Those who did, they paid a price. For example, the three Hebrew boys refused to worship and bow down to their idols. So they were taken into custody, thrown into a fiery furnace. They say, you want to worship your God? Let's see if he can save you now. 
and they took the three Hebrew worshipers and they threw them into the fiery furnace. But the scripture says not a hair on their heads was touched by the flame because when they looked, there was a fourth man in the fire and that was God himself in the midst of the fire. You see, they came to the the Hebrew boys and they said, we are going to give you a choice. You fit in with us. You do what we do. You worship our gods and you'll be popular. You'll be one of us and we're going to let you out of jail. And we don't think that your God can save you anyway. In Daniel chapter 3, 17 The three Hebrew boys said, if it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we're not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that that you have set up. You see, sometimes there's a cost to following God. But if you really want to see the power of God, if to you Christianity is boring, it's because you haven't taken a stand for God, no compromise, no giving in. They would never have seen the glory and power of God if they hadn't taken a stand. And they proved to the whole nation that God is real. All it took was three Hebrew boys. Imagine a whole church of sanctuary fellowship going out into the, throughout the Bronx, throughout the region, turning schools and workplaces upside down for God. Well, over the years, the, the Babylonian Empire became the Persian Empire. Persia is modern-day Iran because the Persian army came in, defeated Babylon, and and the Persian king named Darius now ruled. And when he came in, he saw the great wisdom of Daniel, and he decided to make him second in command over the nation. So I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. They wanted it. They were jealous of him, and they said, we got to take him down. we got to find something wrong with Daniel. But the Scripture said they could find no fault in him. If there's anything in this world, I would love people to say that they looked to find fault in me, and they couldn't find any, that they couldn't poke a hole in my integrity and my honesty. But what a tremendous thing. We, we should live for that. That should be the biggest goal in our hearts, to be able to stand and, and have people say, that was a man, that was, that was a woman of honor, a woman of love and grace. 
He was always faithful, always responsible, always trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. We can't get him on his character, so we're going to get him on his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. I'm going to skip the next part. That the king should make a law that, we, that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. They plotted against Daniel because they were jealous because Daniel had favor. Sometimes when you get favor from God, people get jealous of you. Why, why did you get promoted in front of me? Why'd they make you a leader in the church? I've been there 30 years. Well, that's what happened with Daniel. And they conspired to take him down. So they tricked the king into making a law that if anybody prays for the next 30 days to, any, to anyone but the king himself, they'll be taken and thrown into a den of lions. Well, apparently Daniel didn't care if there was a law. He didn't care who didn't like it. But he said, I'm a man of God and I'm going to pray. And not only he prayed, he, he opened up the window so everybody could see him. How many of you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's the power of God unto salvation. He said, I don't care who sees me. If I die, I die. But you can't keep my prayers back. You can't stop my praise. And they took Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. And they left him there all night. And these were hungry lions. And you know that the lions never touched them. You know why? They were on a Daniel fast. <laughs> Come on, Pastor George. That's funny. They were on a Daniel fast. They wasn't eating no Daniels. In the midst of the lions then, surrounded by ferocious, man-eating, hungry lions, the scripture said that an angel showed up and shut the mouth of the lions. In Daniel 6, 22, Daniel said, My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you. But I'm going to skip to verse 25, which to me is amazing. Then King Darius, the pagan, evil, idol-worshiping king, he sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world because at that time the Persian Empire ruled the known world. He said, peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and will endure forever. 
His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. That one act of Daniel, the one act of faith, putting God's power on display, totally influenced an evil king so much that he made a declaration that in my empire, we worship God. Can you imagine if we would rise up that kings and presidents in nations could worship God. He didn't even have the power of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you is a carrier of the very glory and nature of God. Look what one Daniel accomplished, bringing worship of God, the God of Israel. People threw out their statues and their idols and they bowed down before the King of kings and Lord of lords. That needs to be the passion of our hearts. Christianity can't just be about having fun and fellowship and good worship. We hear a good word. No, we want to go out there. We want to influence. We want to impact People of prominence everywhere that you go, just like Daniel. People say, well, oh, no, these are the last days. Things are going to get worse. I'm sorry, but the Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We're going to turn back the tide of evil. I don't care what what days these are. We're not called to sit and let evil overtake good. We're called to take good and let it overcome evil. Well, one day, towards the end of his life, Daniel was reading the scroll of Jeremiah, and he came across Jeremiah 29, verse 10. So I'm going to read from verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord." And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. As he was reading the book of Jeremiah, Daniel realized that God had said, I'm going to send you away in exile for 70 years. But at the end of 70 years, I'm bringing you back. And he began to declare it to the people and began to repent and began to call out to God. And Daniel declared that the time to prepare for restoration and breakthrough and the journey home is now. 
And as I was writing this, and we're going to hear about that next week, Pastor George will talk about how God brought the people back into the land and restored them. But as I was writing this, I heard the Lord speak to me and say, just as God told Israel that the the time of your exile is over, it's 70 years, it's done, I heard the Lord say that there's at least someone here who needs to know that the season you're in will not last forever. The trial you're going through has an expiration date. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come. You see, God never promised that you won't walk through the fire. Or be thrown into a lion's den. If if you're surprised that you're in a lion's den, that you're walking through fire, the Bible never says that everything is going to be paradise. We believe in Jesus, and, and it turns into people coming to me and saying, why did God allow this? This is all God's fault. How could God allow this happen to my family, to my job, to my finances, to my health, to my parents? And people get angry. He never promised. Maybe someone told you a fake gospel. He never said that bad things won't happen to good people. But what he said is, I'll walk through the fire with you and you won't get burned. I'll be with you in the lion's den. He said, I will preserve you. I will bless you. I will give you the victory in the midst of the trial. Well, maybe that's some of you today. Well, actually, some of us, I'll include myself in it, and maybe some of the people up here too. If you feel today that you can respond to what I said, that I heard the Lord say, that that there's an end coming, that victory is at hand, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. If you needed to hear that today, that there's victory in Jesus. You see, God is not a respecter of persons. God wrote all this story about Israel to encourage us. That's why we're reading about it. Not just to learn history, but if God did that for Israel, if he showed grace to a nation with hard hearts that took their own children and threw them into the fire to sacrifice them to a false god. How much more will he work in behalf of his children and restore you? And, and just, as, just as Jeremiah told Israel... Get ready. Get prepared. God's about to show up. He's about to restore your fortunes, fulfill his promises. That's what God is speaking prophetically. I hear the sound of heaven saying that to you today.
I'm going to ask Lee if you could just come, and we're just going to pray over you. Because I know, I've known Lee long enough to know she's been in some lion's dens. Even times when she thought she wouldn't make it, and that angel showed up and shut the mouths of those lions. You see, Lee, she, she's walked through some fires, and she's come out unscathed. So I just want you to pray for the people. Father, you see the hurt, God. You see the brokenness. You see the night that has lasted longer than what they expected, Jesus. You see how hot that fire of that challenge and that trial has gotten, God. But you have not forgotten them, Jesus. And in their weakness, your strength is made absolutely perfect. There is nothing in this season that they will not be able to overcome. That even though the weapon will form, it will not prosper against them or their families or their well-being or their finances. I declare in Jesus' name that you're sending every satanic attack that has come against them. Every witchcraft spirit that has tried to divide and conquer over their lives and their families and their marriages. It's going back to the pit of hell from where it first came by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. In the midst of the storm, you are sovereign. There is nothing that is kicking you off the throne. There is nothing that is taking away the divinity of our God, even in the midst of the battle. We surrender our confusion to you right now, God. We surrender every question, Jesus. We take every part of what we cannot understand and we lay it at your feet so that your cross and your resurrection can make sense of it, Jesus. Father, we take every offense that we've had towards you and we ask you that you would forgive it. God, we ask that you would take the things that we've shoved in your face and blamed you for, God, that you would help us to release that this morning. Let all your people, God, find a comfort and an inner strength that they did not know that they could possess today, God. The long night is about to be over. 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 And the dawning of a new day is rising up. Lord, let your people rise to the occasion of your glory. Let them not fall into a depression. Let them not let anxiety overtake them. Let them rise to the occasion of your glory overwhelming their circumstances today, Jesus. Fill them, God. Fill them with a new understanding, Jesus. Just like when Job accused you of not being good to him, God. You showed him who made the heavens and the earth. You showed him, God, who put the stars in the heavens. You showed him who put the moon in its place. You showed him who caused the sun to stand still. 
And you are our God. You are the one that will win this battle for us, Jesus. You are the one that will strengthen your people today, God. Strengthen them, God. Strengthen them, Jesus. From the inside out, God. From the inside out, strengthen those who are calling upon you. Father, we cannot do this alone, and we know that we are not going to do this alone. We know that your promise is true. We hold on, God, to everything that you have said. Our children will be blessed. Our marriages will be blessed. Our church will be blessed. We will not go backwards. We will only go forwards. The wellspring of joy and goodness and hope and overwhelming prosperity will be ours because we are the children of God. We are the children of God. We are the children of God. We have been crowned with an everlasting kindness and an everlasting love. Your banner over us is sure and you will not back down from fighting on our behalf. You're watching over your word to perform it for us, Jesus. Let every person in this room and under the sound of my voice sleep soundly tonight in the name of Jesus. I command every attack, every panic attack, every anxiety attack to bow and surrender in the presence of God. I command the peace of Jesus over you right now. I command the peace of Jesus. I command and declare that his sovereign love will protect you, that you are hidden in his heart, that you are the apple of his eye, that he will not let you go. He will not let you drown. He will not let go of your hand. And even though the weapon forms, it will never be able to prosper in Jesus' name. And everybody said. Lift your hands as a sign to the Lord that we surrender. As a unified sign that we belong to you, Lord. And we exist for your glory, Lord.
hope in you, God. Come on, sing it out. We put our faith in you, God. Always. 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 We put our trust in you, God. We put our hope in you, God. We put our faith in you, God. Always. Always. We put our trust in you, God. We put our hope in you, God.
I'm going to ask Pastor Ephraim to just pray over these Daniel. Father, we come before you today, Lord, and you see every hand lifted high. Lord, no shame. Father, but just confidence in what you're doing and what you're speaking and the promises, Father, spoken over their lives, Lord. But, Father, we look at the life of Daniel, Father, where there was no compromise, oh God, and we aspire to be like that, oh God. Father, we fall short, but, Lord, with your power and your might, Father, we have already overcome, oh God. So, Father, no longer do we just trust in our own strength, Father, but we trust in you, Jesus. Father, because we were created for your glory, oh God. So, Father, I pray, Lord, I had your protection over all of these here, oh God. Father, that they would even draw closer to you, God, this moment, Father. Father, they would recognize you as the center of their life, the center of their joy, oh God. And when they come against the storms and the clouds and the trials, oh God, Father, that they would know, Father, that you are there. And they can just reach out and you will pull them closer. So, Father, each and every Daniel here that steps forward, that has stepped up in their hearts, oh God, I pray that you give them a boldness, Father, to spread your word. I pray that you give them a, 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 a love, Father, that is unconditional, oh God. And I pray that you give them a zeal, Father, to even run harder after you, run harder in your kingdom, oh God. And that you will give them a spirit to serve, oh God. Even if David was a servant, oh God. And I know, Father, as we serve, oh God, then you will bring promotion, oh God. So, Father, we look forward to the promotion that is to come, oh God. But most of all, we want your spirit, oh God. And we want you, we want you to be proud of us, Lord. So you have blessed us all, Father, to be a blessing have a wonderful week. And one more thing. If you're not on a Daniel fast, we're giving some bread over there in the corner. So pick up some bread. <laughs>